Welcome back to Hype from Out of Heaven. Uh, we're all here as always. Got myself, Ryan. Uh, Caleb's here. Give us a sound off. Hello, how are we doing? We got Brandon as well. All right, boys. Hello, everyone. And as always, Kyle's here too. How's it going? You all right? There you go. Uh, it's quite lucky this week that you're listening to a podcast because today we're all talking about sound and soundtracks in gaming. Uh, some of, I know we've all got a lot to talk about. Too much, someone could argue, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're never short for words, I guess, <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. But, but today we're going specifically into what it's like to hear a game while you're playing it, I guess, um, and what particular things stand out for each of us. I mean, it's just going to be a bit of a broad topic, I guess. We're going to go specifically into soundtracks and like tracks that stand out to us over the years, into different elements of sound design. So how does like the ambient sound or the way uh, the audio is layered help? And then specifically into composers later on. So we're going to run the gamut of all things sound, I guess. Um, so bear with us while we get to all those points. I was going to say, it's quite a caveat, isn't it? We are kind of covering a broad spectrum of topics, I suppose, under a uh, you know very short banner of time, but yeah. Yeah, well, sounds one of those things in a game where soundtrack is like, right, let's talk about this individual track, and you know, it's like a mini review, I guess. But then trying to do an entire hour on how an audio was mixed in a game would probably be boring. It'd be quite dull. When I sort of heard about the uh, topic, it was you have a video game soundtrack, and then you've got songs made for video games in a way. So I mean, it sort of varied through time. Like a Mega Drive sort of chip tune sort of game is a lot different than sort of the soundtrack in Cyberpunk. How these are like actual songs, actual bands, compared to just a guy messing around on a MIDI keyboard. How how much it's changed as well. Like GTA, I think that's a perfect example of how a soundtrack, you're in a fake world, but you're also listening to tunes from like eras in time. Like, one of my favourite parts of Vice City was the soundtrack. Oh yeah, I always forget about that. I was actually going through my collection, I've got the Vice City uh, CD box set. And I don't think I'd feel as when I was younger with like San Andreas, that, oh yeah, these songs are from 1992. Is it 92 or 93? Early 90s. It's 92, isn't it? Did they ever do the Voice City soundtrack on vinyl? I know they did a CD Ooh, collection, but... I don't know. I've never curious. seen it. Yeah, I know GTA Five was on vinyl, but I don't know about the rest. That's one of my particular areas, isn't it, when it comes to like video game soundtracks. I'm, um, I'm a pretty big collector of vinyl as it is, but in recent years, I have actually started picking up quite a few video game soundtracks. I mean, today, literally like an hour ago, I've just picked up the uh, Comic Zone, the old Mega Drive game. The soundtrack to that from a uh, pressing company based in the States called Cartridge Thunder. Is that the video game soundtrack and the main four six tracks they did as well Roadkill, yeah for the band roadkill yeah 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 it's on yeah. there as well sort of like what i said before doesn't it about how you do sort of songs made for the game and then songs yeah, yeah. for the game in a way and that's a very early example of that yeah, to be fair, like, those six songs are just like proper like dude butt rock <laughs> grunge sort of do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's catchy as all hell but at the same time it's like very kind of like a time capsule it suits the year of which the game was made right yeah yeah like, i mean comic, comic yeah. zone comic zone's a classic you know i love that game from back back in the day of playing Mega Drive and, and maybe like Streets of Rage is another good example but oh, mm-hmm. brilliant. I struggled to think of, yeah I, start, I struggled to think of other Mega Drive games that had like a really standout soundtrack and maybe that's because I only played a limited amount of um, games well I think, I think Caleb uh... hit the nail on the head at the start where he said how much soundtracks in gaming have changed like he said we've gone from mm-hmm. mini files in Sonic like if you play the chemical zone plant chemical plant zone theme from Sonic 2 I will get excited or stressed or panicked I don't know what the emotion is I'm feeling but I can be doing the most boring thing in the world and making a cup of tea and I'm like doo, 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 doo. and suddenly the spoons go in and I'm just really excited about whatever's happening because it's just ingrained in my childhood memory yeah. what was it uh, Sonic Generations and it had the remix like, the level chemical plant zone had the remix of the song in, and it's like really it, it's it's crazy how like it is the original but then it's just picked up as well it's really good and obviously got the remix of Sonic Mania 2 for Act 2 which is just fantastic as it is it's one of those like recognisable sort of songs well Emerald Hill Zone and Green Hill as well I think yeah, I think one of my favourite soundtracks from like say the PS1 era is the this is really bad but the soundtrack from like the PS1 demos boom 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 
those ones that you used to get with the official PlayStation magazine. Yeah. Oh god. We've got like a, a ring binder. Do you know those old like DVD cases that you used to get? They used to have about thirty DVD rewritables in them. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they they used to unscrew and like you could just slot all the discs on. We've got one of them somewhere with like about forty or fifty of those old PlayStation demos on. Gotta go through them. The music on them is amazing though. It's like they used to be like um way back when this is like when indie game development was very much in its like they used to give out like PlayStation dev kits to like regular people, and they used to like create little games and stick them on these demo discs. They called it like Net Yarzoon. Some of them were actually really oh, good for the time. One of them. Are they Black PS ones? Um, PS- I'm I'm not sure about how they actually specifically went about making these games, but I just know that they always compiled some of the best ones on the demo discs. And so, some some of them were really one. hidden gems. They really were, you know. Music as I mean, well. When we're talking about game music, goes like what sort of considered um like everyone's sort of favorite game theme you hear? Because obviously the title of a game, well the the title theme of a game is one of the most recognisable traits. I mean, Super Mario Bros. Not a huge Mario fan, but that is as simple as it is. Yeah, it absolutely is. And like World 1-1, that tied with is just insane. How influential that has been into other games as well. And then how that's evolved over time to incorporate sort of more elements, more instruments. And now you've got full and symphonic and how you get full orchestras playing that. Again, go with the MIDI keyboard to get the full orchestras. Not my favourite theme, but definitely one of the most important. Well, I think Brandon kind of hit the nail on the head in a way because like he said, Streets of Rage 2 and we're kind of on the same one with that because we kind of grew up with the same game. Games. Yeah. But, you know, the work that Motohiro Kawashima and Yasuo Kashiro, I think his name's pronounced, what they did for, like, that game was crazy because that has gone on to be, like, one of the most influential soundtracks of all time. There's one Fine. specific track. I know you like it as well, Caleb. I think it's called Expander. You know, the oh, elevator music. Expander's that so kind of good. ties into what Ryan was saying, like, you know, you're just playing the game it and then all of a sudden, like, it. it's, it's just like, oh, shit, man, fuck, man. You know and then the mean? elevator's like, going quicker and yeah, more yeah, people yeah. hitting down and, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Usually by that point, you've only got a few lives left as well, so it's quite tense. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest uh, kind of example to me is how far gaming soundtracks have came has been the, like Hot K or Caleb said, we've had MIDI files and now you can go and listen to... Final Fantasy Worlds Apart orchestral shows at the Royal Albert Hall that sell out within minutes at like £60 a ticket just to sit and listen to the songs from Final Fantasy VIII for, for two hours. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's a weird aspect of gaming that I think gets overlooked quite a lot. And when you actually sit down to appreciate it, you realise how impressive somebody's work is. I, I remember going, I think it was oh, it was a while ago now, it was maybe 2018, 2017 or 2018, going to London for, um, I think it was a Skyrim, one of the editions that they released, and it was an anniversary. And they had the Win- the Winter Hold, the Winter Hold Orchestra, um, which is the which is the orchestra group that made that kind of performed and made the soundtrack for Oblivion and Skyrim. And oh my days, it was amazing. There was people in cosplay. There was people who had those like foam masks on that you got, Carl, when they released it on launch. And they played like a selection. It was mainly the Skyrim theme tune, but they played like segments of Oblivion, Morrowind, and it was. Oh, it was incredible. Um, what I remember um, about saying we're going to London back in 2011. It was the Zelda 25th anniversary uh, orchestra. I was like, I've got to go, I've got to go. And went out to London for the day. It was, I mean, I've seen plenty of bands at that point, but seeing an orchestra instead by it was just, it was something else. It was just the way it all hits in. And uh, Koji Kondo was there as well, who um, um, created the Zelda music and the Mario music as well. And seeing him just play the piano, like in person, like, you know, just, just on stage was, was something else. And it was just fantastic. Really, I mean, the Zelda theme is probably my favourite theme, especially the orchestra. Version it just hits, it's fantastic. 
But it's funny, um, Brandon mentioned Skyrim, then I just had flashbacks to the night that we went and picked it up from Game Station. Do you remember 11, 11, <laughs> 11? Like, yeah. yeah. That, that is one game where the main theme, like, you know, if there's one, like, recognisable main theme, even just from a trailer, just pumped you up to play that. Even now, like, the menu music, if I ever go back and play Skyrim, I'll sit there and listen to the main menu music for a while. Oh, but um, that, that night that we picked up from GameStop was hilarious. We we, we kind of got in the car, and we, we got all these, like, you remember that silly, like, plush helmet I got, Brandon? Yeah. From like the game thing, we literally all put them on. And we were like blasting down the Stratford Road, like with like the main theme playing out of Caleb's car. It's fucking cool. <laughs> so I found the demo music from the PS1. Wanted to play it just for everyone's nostalgia. Oh god, go on, play it. Let's listen. God, that brings back memories. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did you ever play... Um, it was on... There were lots of them for the PlayStation at the time. It was like... um, I forgot what they were called. On PC, on computers, they were called EJ. And it was drag and drop music things. But for PlayStation 1, it was like DJ Mix or something. Not DJ Hero, but like you would drag and drop sound into like a timeline and create songs. And some of the things people made were really impressive. Um, Sort of like... No, I don't there. really... Don't recall that, no. I'll have to link you later. It's very interesting sort of one products. Of the, one of the games that I always like love the soundtrack to, but I thought it was quite unique for, for its time was Legacy of Cain Blood Omen. I thought that had a really great score for like creating that kind of dim dark world that you were in. It did, it, it did some, very much. Created a, a sense of adventure as well, but one thing I really liked is how they integrated dialogue. Like, you know, you'll hear like Kane talking about like vengeance, like, you know, when you're going in, like, just as you get out of the, the catacomb and you're going to like kill the people that killed you, and you just, you get that sense of rage when he's like <laughs> hacking away at them, when he's like, I'm going to kill all of you because you, you killed me. Slay Victors! I, th- I just think it really adds a layer of kind of like emotion yeah. to it. And especially as you go through the game with all the kind of dialogue in- integrated with, with the things, or like, you know, if you go into the menu, you like, you get all the, the things, and it's like, oh, Nut Raptor. Alas, poor Nut Raptor. I knew him well. Well, not really. William mentions it this in the first or second podcast. I mean, I said you've got Marion Zelda themes, but the Doom 1 and obviously Doom 2, how like E1M1 uh, at Doom's Gate is iconic. And then obviously that was that was taken from actual songs uh, at Doom's Gate is Master of Puppets. One of them is This Love by Pantera. Uh, uh, what was it? They got um, Them Bones, Valentine in Chains, Things Bowels of Fun. Mm-hmm. But then obviously as that evolved, we got Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal and other soundtracks that are just absolutely just phenomenal. They just hit so heavy and like with the constant action Action, the constant drumming around the run and gun atmosphere it's brilliant like bft 10,000 bft division that's that picture of um me listening to bft division at the gym and it's the guy it's the doom cover but the guy just like lifting weights to all the imps around him and it is it is like that it's such a good soundtrack I'd love to get it on vinyl but you know money well when i knew we were doing this episode i was trying to think like well, what's my favorite track from gaming of all time and what's my favorite gaming soundtrack overall and i really wanted to be something classic and vintagey but all i kept going back to was the doom 2016 soundtrack like ripping <laughs> mm. and at yeah. gate it's just i can't remember the last time i played a game and felt so in tune with the music and the action and it elevates the game beyond just blowing demons up it's just the soundtrack's insane to the point where I'll put it on at the, like at the end but the seldom occasion to go to the gym rip and tear goes on while I'm trying to do something yeah I've got a friend at work and we chat about doom all the time so whenever I see him rip and tear rip and tear starts in my head and I'm like ah Liam's here doom <laughs>
on um on a related note uh sort of fast-paced action violence and i think this is sort of what i can't remember if carlson's played it or not but i think he has i hope you all have um with a phenomenal soundtrack hotline miami one and yeah, two yeah yeah you know, brilliant uh, mitch murder it, it really i mean i knew about some synth sort of stuff at the time but that game was like oh here's a huge like you know platter of artists you should listen to combined with the fast-paced action it was brilliant it's funny you mention um carpenter brute and Pert about it though because one of their main influences is kind of video games as well isn't it it is like 80s like synth music but like video games do play a big aspect into a lot of their music as well yeah like i remember um perturbator sort of this going we are more music tangent perturbator himself used to be in um i forgot the guy's name uh used to be in a black metal band and you can really hear that mm-hmm. in the music as well because it's it's heavy it's hard hitting it's 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 angry and again for a violent game that was hotline miami it is it really is good to be fair um, i think we could create an entire new podcast talking about synthwave but yeah to get back onto yeah. the uh <laughs> topic at hand Brandon did hit a nail on the head with Legacy of Cain, though. It's the one thing that... It sounds mad, even though we're both atheists now. You could kind of argue that when we were brought up, we were around, like, church bells quite a lot, and that always resonated with the Cain soundtrack, because there was a lot of tubular bells and kind of cowbell in there as well. I gotta have more cowbells, baby. There was always that a very gothic sounding dark soundtrack that really added a layer of atmosphere to the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of those games, isn't it? But I feel, I feel like there was always that kind of omnipresence there mm-hmm. with, like, certain... I struggle to remember the main foe's name from Legacy of Cain. But, you know, when he's talking to Cain about where to Mortanius. go... Mortanius. Mortanius, <laughs> yeah. Talking to him about, you know, going to the, the Pillars of Nozgoth, you know, to, like, bring balance. Uh, I think an interesting point about Legacy of Cain, though, was, like, if you read into it, Silicon Knights at the time, they actually kind of made it... Because most of the games that had come out prior to that point, I mean, with the exception of, like, Resident Evil or that, they were kind of mass-marketed at children. I think they were talking about Legacy of Cain was kind of, like, the first video game that was ever made ma- mass-marketed for a purely adult-only audience, because it is violent as fuck as well even for like a top down you know almost isometric RPG like the amount of blood and gore in that game for a PS1 game is crazy but it just adds to the overall atmosphere and the soundtrack is the cherry on the cake well we also have atmosphere and like how that impacts a game and I mean there's plenty to be brought up I remember one in particular I mentioned Zelda earlier another Zelda theme to me is like my favourite gaming theme and um, the trailer music for Breath of the Wild how it just slowly ramps up and up and up and it starts getting triumphant and like yeah you know this is a big adventure the game itself, uh, when you're running around, does not have really much music. And at first, I didn't like this. Like, where's like you know the horrible feel music? What it's got is just little, I don't know, little jingles here and there. But when you sort of you look at how the game is not not structured in a way, but how it's presented to you, how it is very open. There's really nothing on screen. You turn off all the stuff apart from your health. These little jingles that don't really give any music. They just create atmosphere. Actually, add to the game. And obviously, the atmosphere, what it creates, is you know really important for the game. And I know there are plenty of games that do that exceptionally well but their soundtracks or lack of soundtrack if that makes any sense yeah definitely I think one of the games that was just resonating in my mind is something other than the Elder Scrolls soundtracks that I listen to regularly <laughs> on Spotify <laughs> Is that the main, the suicide mission, that theme from Mass Effect 2? Oh, yeah, definitely. That, uh, the, just that opening, like, I, I think to your point before, Carl, you're saying you sometimes, like, put Skyrim on and you just sit there listening to the song. I could I could say I've done that for Mass Effect 1 for the opening theme for that, yeah. like, the main theme for the universe, and as well as Mass Effect 2. It's just that slow kind of beat, and then it just gets grander and grander and grander. It's that grand, and really, epic um, scale of the music, isn't it? It really, it really, sets, the, it really sets the tone for the, for the scale of the fight with the Reapers, I think personally I would um, be um, annoyed at myself. I didn't mention obviously Metro Cover soundtracks now in terms of theming. One I've had stuck in my head since the last like 20 minutes is um, the fantastic, the uh, Snake Eater song. Oh, just no. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. song. Like, just... yeah, I, th- 
I think that was largely because they were trying to make it kind of almost like a Bond kind of oh, yeah, theme, absolutely. weren't they? You know, absolutely. it's like, but it's, yes, like, like when it's like climbing. Um, Vinesaw's Troll did um, he did this Doom maps and someone made it was custom Doom maps people sent in. And at one point, this guy he gets an elevator and this elevator starts going up, and Troll's like, "What? What is this?" And then like Snakey the kicks in, and he just bursts out laughing because he knows. Granted, it was a ladder in the game, but he knows that this elevator is going to take at least three minutes to get up to the top. Oh, but, it's yeah, comical. Climbing that ladder was this is annoying at first, but actually I, I enjoy this song a lot, so I don't care. Yeah, no, I just remember that video now of that guy in the gym and he's doing like the ladder like thing and just like someone put the snake eater music over. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> I mean, one I was going to mention was the Metal Gear theme from Sons of Liberty. Uh, when that first trailer for Metal Gear 2 dropped on VHS and you got it with the on official... VHS. Yeah, and I remember putting <laughs> the VHS in and they put that score over the trailer where we were showing off like the AI and how smart the guards were. That is pure nostalgia and like fangasm to me, that, that one theme. That's what I was going to highlight as my main one. But I will also point out this is a record. This is the longest it has taken us in an episode to go without mentioning Metal Gear or Kojima. So <laughs> well, it, we, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. It's, not, it, well, that's it's funny, actually, just to kind of intersect there for a second, that you mentioned that song from Metal Gear Solid 2. Because have you noticed how the song from Metal Gear Solid 2 and Metal Gear Solid 1 are very similar? You know, that... Sort of kind of sound. Yep. But then with number three, they went with a brand new theme. The reason why is between the development of two and three, people put two and two together and they kind of realized, like we were talking about last episode, how like Hideo Kojima was about to get sued by John Carpenter and co for using the Escape from New York kind of story. The main theme for the original Metal Gear games was actually a, it was a, a kind of a class winter something. I'm, I'm just Georgie, doing it now. Georgie Seridov Sir- Winter Road is the name of the track. Yeah. I completely butchered yeah. his name but <laughs> if you listen to that look i'll put it up now and then if you compare that to the original metal gear soundtrack you can kind of hear them Oh, yeah, no, it, it's off. I know off top. Yeah, like it is. Yeah, like how um, it's all weird for God. I did a set about like how putting the VHS in it is sort of like how granted PS1 because of CD technology compared to cartridge before it mm-hmm. have a lot more elaborate songs. But there was well, kind of moving out of that, you know, 16 bit era. Yeah, it? yeah. You still had to compress them and whatnot. But then when it did get a PS2, and I've done an arc on the PlayStation 2 before, there's how much things improved. Like the jump for PS1, the PS2 was insane. And they had like, you know, quite compressed songs to actually now we've got like 4.7 gig to chuck on a disc or eight gigs usual layer and just the songs they could add on there just jumped up and then you start getting games weird how i started this with just dedicated songs instead of sort of like very chip tuny sort of like simple songs and you mentioned book dad rock earlier kyle and i think one game that looking i already back, know what you're gonna say Go i on. hope you know again this way is when sonic adventure came out and all the songs in the game i was like wow these are like proper rock songs these are really cool as I grew up, it was, it was like, yeah, these songs are sort of lame, actually. Like, some are really good still. Like, they're, they're fun songs, but they're all about, you know, like, destroying the darkness and friendship wins together, guys, <laughs> that sort of stuff. And like, ah, uh, and Shadow's theme itself was just super edgy. Uh, I think one of the 
one of the things that I've, I've, I thought we talked about earlier was around lack of, I think you mentioned it kind of like lack, um, yeah. lack of music. And I think that's one thing that I kind of liked about, even though I think as you would, you would probably argue the opposite, Carl, with, with the Resident, Resident Evil 2 remake, that actually playing it with the soundtrack, the original soundtrack, creates that sense of fear and horror, but also nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have the extended edition where you got that on launch. Um, I just played it with the main remake theme tune and it, there was barely any music. And That's it, yeah. Walking through the hallways and all the rooms, it, I felt I felt so tense the first time I played that game because I was just like, I don't know what's coming around each corner. I suppose that's it, kind of what they were intending with it, though, with more the same design. This is what I was saying before about the importance of same design in games. You've got less of a recognisable nostalgia soundtrack that kind of retreats those kind of feelings of fear that you maybe had as a kid when you were playing the game, but kind of uses the sound of the zombies shuffling around and moaning in a distance and stuff like that. That is one thing the Resident Evil 2 remake did do really well. But I, like you said, I don't think I could go back and play it now without the original soundtrack on. It's just so iconic. Even the menu sounds, do you know what I mean? It's. I think it's how games can make you, when I say feel, because I think certain games actually do get you, as I said, the Zelda theme does, you know, at certain times, and orchestral one sort of, wow, this is, you know, this this gets me. But it's how it makes you feel and playing a game. And when you're from Resident Evil, just I heavily thought of the, um, whenever you get to like a room with a typewriter and a chest in, or the, um, what are you buying guy from Resident Evil 4, he was normally around, like safe areas in video games, and the music would change, and you'd be like, oh, okay, I feel safe here. Or you go into a room and let's say something like starts to build, always in horror games especially, you know, music would build up and you're like, okay, something's going to happen here. Something's, you know, on its way. This is completely off tangent and kind of not flowing with the conversation at all, but it's kind of going back to Brandon's point about Mass Effect and the kind of grand music on those. Bioware licensed all of that music for a band called Two From Hell and they have a lot of like... Two Steps From Hell, that's the one. They've they've got quite grandiose music and a lot of their soundtracks are used in other media as well. Like, I I never forget it. Like, the Mass Effect 3 trailer evokes such an emotion of like, oh God, I cannot wait to play this game. And the music was a big part of that. But it was completely killed right before the launch of the game because the same track was also used for, I think it was GMTV's like weather broadcast. (laughs) It's just the same epic music, but it was a picture of a bee flying out of a flower, and I was just like, they're using a Mass Effect music? What the hell is going on here? It's like... I, I, I remember that very well, and just <laughs> thinking... I think, um, I mean, I you see plenty of memes about it, and it's like um, Ryan Kajoman here, not one about the um, boys in the bathroom at school meme. Oh, yeah. So, yep. And you know what theme they come in? Yeah, they're something in the main Halo theme, but... Yeah. It's... Like, again, I was never a huge Halo fan myself, but that theme is, and it kicks in, you're like, oh, damn, it's go time. It's so yeah. it's so epic as well, like the yeah. Halo theme tune, the main one. I, mean, I think for me, the most impressive thing with Halo and its soundtrack as a franchise is, for the most part, it's all Marty O'Donnell. But when you go from like Halo 1 to 2 and 3, and then you've got ODST and Reach, and the score's entirely different for the games. So when you're playing you know, the mainline Halo games, and you're the chief and you're powerful, the music's very driving and punchy, and it's exciting. Whereas when you play ODST, and you're now just a random soldier in a kind of pitch-dark, rain-swept city, it's loads of haunting or piano themes and it, it invokes a completely different sense of kind of combat and safety and how vulnerable you feel and that's purely through the music and that's it isn't it i think that's what we're landing on here with this whole sound design and and soundtracks like again i know it's a game that i always come back to but ghost of Tsushima, like the, the the music in that game not just the soundtrack and the score but just the world they created and also i think another one that, that springs to mind that's i guess similar in the in the sense of the scale of the world is red dead redemption 2 i think that yeah. game just feels alive yeah, yeah. like <laughs> for spoilers us on that one 
there was a kind of point with that particular game, Red Dead, when you come back from Guama, without giving any plot details away, a certain song starts playing as you like kind of ride off to try and find the gang again. And uh, I don't know, man, you just kind of felt like there was a definite tonal shift in that game, which was really aided by the soundtrack. You know, Arthur kind of finds out what he finds out and his kind of priorities shift from being just a general member of the gang to try and doing as much good as he can with the time he's got left. And that track kind of emphasised that feeling, if you know what I mean. Full spoilers for anyone listening. If you haven't played Red Dead Redemption 2, stop listening. But Arthur Morgan gets tuberculosis and ultimately dies. The reason I say that is because the the end epilogue song gives you... I remember listening to it and just being like distraught when it it kind of pans right back to the last location where he's buried on the hill. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. oh... I mean, it just saved me about 40 hours of my life because I could not get into Red Dead 2. So now I'm like, what? Cool, don't need to play that anymore. I think I mean, we're about I to become a three-man a... podcast as opposed yeah. to a four-man podcast. And I, I haven't found that out already, but okay. I, I hated nearly every single second I played of that game. I hated all the characters of a fiery passion. Oh, um, I remember her name, but the, the woman you rescue when her house is on fire, I liked her and everyone else Baby. I was like, no. This is you getting revenge for me saying I hate friends the other day, isn't it? It's like... <laughs> Well, I was just, like, the first game I loved, but this one I was just like, I hate them all. Where are the police? Let's just lock them all up and hang them. They're all horrible. So I, I mean, you know, if that would have happened and you didn't rescue someone, then yeah. You're pulling um, on my fucking heartstrings there, Ryan, I'm telling you. Getting upset that my horse accidentally hit by a train and anything else. It's just like, no, I'm not enjoying this. Well, and it's funny you mention that. There is actually a bit towards the end of the game where your horse does actually, I mean, fuck it, we're going full in with spoilers, aren't we? Yeah, you um, would have turned off the, by now. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a bit later on, like, not like, not too far from what Brandon was on about, where you like plays like Arthur's last moments, where your horse does actually get shot and killed, and it's like, it is quite you emotional, because he actually, like, you know, yeah, I think for me, man. it was less emotional for me, though, because I'd just bought the horse. So he kind of got down on the floor, and he was like, thank you for everything. Like, I mean, and I've I- just thought... You just bought her from a stable about half an hour ago, but yeah, the emotional weight is meant to be a horse you played with the entire game, I not one you've point, just bought for stats. I think to get us back on to track in terms of the the sound design, I think obviously Red Dead is it's a world, isn't it? And I think I think people who I know have played it once or maybe not finished it is mainly because the, everything takes it's like hyper realism, isn't it? In game, mm-hmm. you know, it's like oh, you've got to brush your horse, you've got to eat, you've got to sleep, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Um, but I don't know. I feel like it nailed it. But yeah. <laughs> I think it's the ambience of the sound and like the wind and the the animals. All of it kind of adds to that layer of kind of immersion. And I guess it's also where you time. were in the game. I'm not. I'm quite sure Red Dead Two did it as well. I'm in Red Dead One, depending on where you were. Um, no, the sound would like there'd be sort of little audio sort of snippets where you were. So like the Mexico would have sort of mariachi sort of like trumpets every now and then. It wasn't mm-hmm. music every now and then. It'd have little bits. Um, ambient sound. And in Red Dead 2, when you go to Le Moyne and everything is hell because that place is scary. That kind of bleeds into my point. When I was thinking about, you know, we were talking about, you know, think of really influential soundtracks. And to be like Brandon, I'm going to be a bit of a broken record and go back to a game that I refer to a lot, which is Silent Hill 2. I think if there's one game that has a soundtrack that is just so emotively powerful, but also kind of dark and crash and matches the atmosphere and tone of the story it represents, that by a country mile is probably my favourite soundtrack of all time. I did pick it up on vinyl not long ago, but um, it's not just that. It's just everything from the ambient sounds in that game to the, you know, the, the, the main theme of Laura or Promise two of the main tracks off the album. They're just beautiful orchestral pieces, but when you actually look at how dark and foreboding the actual town is and the kind of story surrounding James and his wife and all that, it's such a dark, visceral experience. The soundtrack is literally the cherry on the cake in that particular instance. 
the composer Akira Yamaoka's obviously that dead set that it's probably the best soundtrack he's ever written. He still tours to this day. Like he actually does gigs like John Carpenter and actually tours around the world kind of playing the soundtrack to that. But um, that particular one, yeah, for me is always going to be like my number one spot for like you know how to do a video game soundtrack, right? One of the one of the soundtracks that that I always liked from I guess a trailer perspective, but also that made an appearance like in the last one of the main trilogy it was Gears of War mm. the trailer being like Mad World, like all around me are familiar. Things. It was like less is more. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it and it real set it set the tone of the first game for me. Like, and one of the sections of the game that really had me thinking of the oh, the Vin Diesel movie where the all those night night things come at night and kill them all. It's called the Krill, I think, and it's it's when darkness comes on the city and they come in and you have to like shoot between areas and it's, it shoots out the light. But that link back, links back to the song for me because it sets that sense of dread um for that for that game but then it also appears in the third one um when a certain thing happens to a certain character um and it just again it brings you right back to that first opening scene but also the the journey you've been on with the characters over the over the trilogy of a um quote i wanted to bring to kyle because i'm hoping he brings us up a lot um kyle, i'll give you a quote and i'll see if you can get the soundtrack uh, a score that sounds like a jarek artist composed as if he's trying to burst into tears while meeting his own gaze in the bedroom mirror we talk about this game eventually. Uh, Metal Gear Rising <laughs> Revengeance, yeah. That game is just, honestly, oh, good. everything about it. The soundtrack is amazing. The, just every aspect of that game's soundtrack. Uh, Jamie Christofferson, I think, was the one who did the score for that. Kind of transitioning into the next area that we were going to talk about is kind of the emotions that can draw from a sound design perspective. That game is like a perfect example to transition to because if you look, you look how fast paced that game is, yeah. all the boss battles, all of the over the top shit, you know, like riding, picking up Metal Gear Rain, thrown into the air like a pinata and, and jumping slicing on the its arms off. You know what I mean? Like, you know, oh, every aspect of that game is reinforced by its soundtrack. It was all to me how, um, like, we did have like, the instrumental where you're fighting it, and then the final bit where you're like slashing them up, the uh, like uh, vocals would be involved as well. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a big finale to the fight, and it was so good. I really want to play it again like it was the rules fantastic. of nature i think one of the main yeah. tracks is, is that, that was just, a raised that battle. specific bit kicks in the exact second okay, you know yeah. you block the sword but and that really does pump you up as cringy yeah. as it sounds it's just yeah i mean sort of like really like related but not related there was um uh vinnie vine was playing it like a couple of years ago and it's the bit where you meet uh senator armstrong and he's doing his entire big speech at the end and it's like oh the, we will purge the weak and the strong will survive we'll make america great again and it's like wait what this is like 2013 what the hell it was just so I weird but it's very it's very cliche but yeah fan- and boss music for it was get again was just fun it was just a great sound to have for like a fast best game yeah. Was it Platinum I mean, Games who did that? I think? It was, it was Platinum. Actually, yeah. no, was it? Yeah, it was, it was. I was getting mixed up with Blue Point, but they're the guys that do all the remasters, in it? Yeah. No, I got a lot from Platinum Games. They're all amazing. We've been playing Call of Duty recently, Cold War. We just need something to play. Like, you know, Call of Duty was fun back in yeah. the Cold War. The menu theme for multiplayer is like this weird keyboardy synth rock riff, and it's just really catchy. It's like, this is a really good menu theme. Which... Yeah, it's catchy as fuck, I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I don't really think much of the game itself, but I don't really like Card as a franchise anyway. Like you said, we're just playing it because we're looking for something to play. But it is, yeah, the soundtrack is pretty good to it, to be fair, you know? I think it helps set the theme for games as well, doesn't it? I think a game like Fallout, as an example, like, Oh yes, you know that 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 has got such a unique 
sound and i think it sets itself apart from any other kind of dystopian post-apocalyptic world because of that kind of like it really like builds itself into that in three in new vegas i get a lot of hate because i never listened to i had friends who are like oh yeah i used to listen to this radio station this radio station on fallout and like i never listened to the radio stations i just walked around with this ambience just like you know the, the wind in the ruins and hearing stuff in the distance you know i just never really listened to them but i know it's all like 50s i know they used um set the world on fire which is ink spots but like ah, 20s i think that came out who would have thought I'm not like um, well versed on 20s music? But you know, it's um, Bioshock kind of took a lot of inf- at least Infinite did anyway. They took a lot of influences from like maybe not musically, but like you know from like 1920s kind of like style and culture was very reminiscent in that game. Oh yeah, I mean I know because one part really, really about music. I remember because Bioshock Infinite set in 1912, and it didn't hit me till later on. But I mean again, Bioshock Infinite spoilers. Here we go. At the start of the game, you meet this barbershop quartet, and they're singing. Um, oh, I forgot the song. It's like the Beach Boys. Um, knows that God only knows how much I miss you. Um, it was oh, well, that song didn't come out till the fifties, but then later on, you know, you discover why. Yeah, unfortunately, Brandon's just announced that he has to uh, dip off for the last, uh, you know, section of this podcast. But it kind of also gives us a nice opportunity to kind of blend into the last kind of area we're looking at talking about, which was uh, the importance of sound design. Not to, once again, sound like a broken record, but uh, Silent Hill 2, what a surprise, I'd be talking about this again. Outside of the amazing soundtrack the game has, it also kind of, like I mentioned before, has a very good ambient layer of just general, because one of the beautiful things about the soundtrack to the game was, is how he just managed to mix raw emotional music, ambient noise, if that makes sense. There's one particular bit when you go to the well, second main area of the game, Brookhaven Hospital, where the uh, iconic nurses pop up. But um, you go to floor three and the music up there is, it's literally just like, it's not like how Resident Evil had that basement music that was eerie and scary. It's more, it just kind of gets into your ear and it kind of feels a bit like tinnitus. But got, the fact um... that you can barely see two feet in front of you and you know there are enemies at the other end of the hall and you can hear them clunking about. And you've got this, I mean, I'll put it up to the mic and play it. Like, if you can hear that, the general idea of that is it's it's just harsh noise, but it, it adds a layer of fear on top of the already kind of tense scenario, and that is kind of present throughout the entirety of the game. Another good area is the historical society, which is where the game kind of tends to get into a bit more of the fantastical and kind of expose more of the darker elements of Silent Hill. If you can't tell, I'm a massive fanboy of the game, so if you haven't played Silent Hill 2 and you like horror games, you need to go back and play it. Ryan, take away. Yeah, we'd never guess that you like Silent Hill 2. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, I think for me, the benchmark in sound design in a game is Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Yeah. It's, it's a game that has to be played in headphones. If you don't play in headphones just around sound, you're absolutely missing Agreed. Out. Agreed. So just where they layered the voices that kind of, you know, the mental illness that Senua suffers from and that it just kind of talks you through the game and surrounds you and to the point where they would talk and the sound was engineered and filtered so well that one of the voices would talk and I'd physically turn my head. Even I'm like, I don't remember the last time I was that immersed in a game by sound and I'm very much looking forward to the sequel. I hope it doesn't go too action-y, but... Uh, Xbox yeah. exclusive, isn't it? Uh, it is, but like all of the current Xbox studio acquisitions, it's one of those, it's exclusive... Uh, maybe we don't know we haven't announced it yet it's we own the studio but maybe so i imagine it'll be on xbox and pc day one and then you know when down the line drops off they'll stick it on someone else because yeah 
Phil Spencer's attitude seems to be if exclusives are what the people want, we'll give them them. But then when they don't care about the game anymore, someone else can have it too. And when it comes to sound design, it obviously depends on the game. Horror games make the most of it because they want to create. and Because and obviously just big, scary things in your face, you could argue if it works or not. But creating an atmosphere is horror in itself. But then with lots of other games, I think it's sort of hit and miss. Again, that I think in terms of sound design, there's nothing really about it. But then again, the theme itself is pretty recognisable for The Last of Us uh, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. It, the theme itself is obviously important, but when I was playing 2 especially, I remember just running around when it was in rainy Seattle, and when I was reloading my guns or shooting guns, and the sound and sort of like how it echoed and the reloading sort of noises were very just good. There was a lot of good atmosphere there, and sort of when you shot, there was a good echo when you're in buildings on the character spoke, they'd obviously clearly done some work on, oh, we could just have characters just speak through like one tone or like, you know, just record everything. But then they clearly thought that like, well, actually at some point they're going to be inside buildings and their voice will carry different. So we need to change how that voice would be when they move around location to location. And obviously a lot of games have started really picking up on really minor details like that. And it's just attention to detail on how they do that sound work. Yeah, one thing to I will be fair, do, I mean, oh, sorry, credit. I'm going one thing I will give Red Dead credit for is when you're in a conversation with a character and obviously I didn't really care about them so I'd gallop away from them quite a lot <laughs> and you'd, when you're close there would be a normal conversational volume as you got further away the characters would start to shout and they'd obviously re-recorded the dialogue to you know dictate that sound now needs to carry further away and it's, it, it sounds like a small touch but it did make a big difference and I guess when you're kind of a gaming nerd and into the, the industry the way we obviously are there's kind of ways where you go you know what Rockstar Nice move. I see what you did there, and it's impressive. Yeah, you notice. But like, see, um, you know. I think I'm really, we talk about sound design, talk about sound game, like whatever. But like, um, this is really sort of a weird one, but it's definitely not the case because some of the most important things out there are like jingles and sound effects, like arguably more so than like themes themselves. I don't know the um the Mario Mushroom theme, Zelda got item theme, the Sonic Ring effect. You know, there's plenty of sound effects out there that are just again arguably something that's more important than the game the sonic vin sound hasn't changed for like 30 odd years what's well, um, what brandon made a point of with the resident evil 2 remake like a big part of that game is the fact that they're remaking a classic horror game and a big part of that classic horror game is the sound effects that also took place within said game you know the menu like when you press start and navigate the item menu like the distinctive clunk noise and stuff like that and the item box, just just everything about it is kind of yeah, it, it is. It's instantly recognisable. They didn't well, do that with the third one. They opted to kind of remix that. What they did with the third game soundtrack is they took the original music and basically kind of did what they did with. You'd probably be a good one to kind of use this in as an example with Ryan. Do you remember with the Final Fantasy X remake, how they kind of HD remastered all of the original songs. Yeah, they did that with Resident Evil Three, kind of like re-recorded them. Similar I mean, notes there that you can still recognise, but they are distinctly different as well. I can tell you for the disappointment when I played the Res Two remake and pressed start, and there was there was no man saying Resident Evil. Like every one of our vintage, you say Resident Evil, my brain goes Resident Evil. Yeah, like, yeah. Look, it's when it's not there, you miss it. I'm like, no, just just have the man say the name. It's all, it's all I want when I press start. Delete the game right now. Let's forget it. It's not the same. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, pretty I'll much. Be honest. I really want them to make a remake of the first game again. I know they've already done it, but if they could do like a remake of... What, Resi 1? Remake of the remake in the RE engine. Okay, yeah. But, but also have that, you know, classical do-do-do-do-do, you know, that like jazzy funk music from like the original game, that cheesy scripted video intro that they had. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've got to have that there. That That is what made the first game. The, cl- the first game it. is classic B-movie cheese, but without that, it's not the same. Yes, I don't Sorry, know if you guys have seen it. So good. But have you guys seen Wreck-It Ralph, the Disney movie? Yeah. yeah. Got a record. 
it's, I mean, to me, the, just the fact when he's going for the Lust and Fan box and he pulls out the Metal Gear explanation point and you hear oh. the spotted sound, like mm-hmm. the fact that that one sound he managed to get a cameo in a movie just kind of goes to prove our overall importance of sound in games. Very, yeah. The- so I said it's just iconic sound effects. I'm like, I don't know if, because I don't know who sort of makes those. I mean, are they composed? Because it's, can you, I mean, obviously you've got to compose the sound effect, <laughs> um, but it was made by someone. Um, yeah, it's but- the same guys that do the soundtracks to the games, I would imagine, you know? Yeah. Because you got to keep it in theme. You know, you can't have, like, something completely different. And obviously, video game composers, you know, obviously massively important. Wheelie mentioned, I mentioned Rising earlier. Do you remember the song um, Resist and Disorder on Cyberpunk on Pixel yeah. Storm? Yeah, apparently that was the same guy who did um, Rules of Nature, apparently. I don't know how true that is, but... Was he? You know, just, I need to go, I'll Google this later, but... Um, J- Jamie yeah. Christopherson, yeah, I'll have to have a look at that. Possibly, yeah. yeah, I'll look at it later. But yeah, like, you know, like, in terms of composers, you know, I talked before, um, Koji Kondo... Did Zelda, did Mario, saw him live, as I said earlier, play um, Grandma's theme and just on piano. And it was just fantastic. And he has made so many good soundtracks that have like, been paramount into the success of these games as well. Would Mario be successful with a different theme? Probably, to be honest. I don't know. Hit and miss. But it is obviously clearly important how much it means to these games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of composers, man, like I said, not to talk about Silent Hill 2 yet again, I will always have a man crush on Akira Yamaoka. If I could ever see him in, in concert, you know, I'd probably be like the Taylor Swift fangirl right at the front, you know, with it, I mean... a sign saying, marry me, you know. Sorry, Kirsty. Yeah, like if he's here, you miss out. Like, here's my yeah, shot. Yeah, it's like, you know, sorry. I, 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 you, know, you know Akira Yamaoka, so... I'm going to butcher his name, but for me, there's there's only one name when it comes to composers in video games, and it's Nobuo Umatsu, who did all basically the first, what, nine Final Fantasy games pretty much single handedly. Like, I don't know any RPG nerd that doesn't love Let the Battle Begin, the main battle theme from Final Fantasy VII. I mean, the amount of metal covers of that on YouTube alone. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he's had a, what, career spanning 36 years at this point? worked all over the place and he is just kind of japanese game sound to me like the the main theme from final fantasy just that that is gaming to me to be fair there there is one composer which to be fair i, I don't know much of his other work but he is quite well versed but michael mccann a lot of his work that he did on the deus ex franchise specifically the opening themes of humor revolution and mankind divided just really set up the feel for like this dark dystopian kind of almost especially in the second one mankind divided this kind of like hopeless feeling of you know because the whole point of the second game is like the mechanical apartheid is what they call it it's like it's kind of mirroring what was going on in south africa but for people who are augmented and people who are not augmented kind of like you know cyborgs and kind of people who aren't you know naturals or whatever they called them in the game but the soundtrack to that game, because like, it's kind of mirrored with like the main character talking with other characters saying how there's like, you know, they're scared of people like us and there's no hope and all this stuff. And it's just kind of offers hope, but also it's quite grungy and depressing at the same time. It's hard to explain. I'd have to, you know, if I put it up to the mic and you listen to it, you'll see what I mean. The relocation of its augmented citizens. It's a new world and it's afraid of people like us. Bust into safe and secure separate industries closed to didn't think it would end with the Arg incident, did you? We were victims. This is retribution for a tragedy we could not control. They control the news. They buried the truth with disinformation. Multiple detonations. Looks like car bombs. Another terrorist attack, this time in a police station. The United Nations Security Council has passed. A new anti-terrorist. But if you hear that, you can see what I mean, how it's quite 
depressing and kind of almost like not offering hope, but like, you know, with a faint glimmer of it as well. I might be reading into it too much, but it matches the tone of the game perfectly. You know? I do, I do want to mention something before we head off, because um, I literally want to mention it, just Harvest Dawn on Oblivion. Oh, yeah. Like, just, Mate, I just that as a track. I don't think we've mentioned it yet, and it's important to do, because that one is, it, it just, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of nostalgia kicked in, because uh, it was obviously a game we played when we were like, younger. The Oblivion um, soundtrack in general, mate, is just, yeah, you fantastic. know what I mean? Like, it's just, you don't need therapy if you have that soundtrack in your life, do you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> Every aspect of it, you know what I mean? It's like I actually use it to get to sleep sometimes. <laughs> like seriously, like I'll be struggling to get to sleep and I'll just pop my headphones in. Sleeping minutes. It's, a, it's just it's just a lovely song. Oh, this is a nice place. I mean, the... I, I guess the most enjoyable soundtrack moment I've got is whenever I go to a Final Fantasy convention, whether it's a Final Fantasy TCG convention or whether it's like an Alec Cooper kind of a fan event, someone will put One Wing Angel on, and I guarantee that everyone in the room goes the roof at the exact right time. <laughs> <laughs> just everybody does it. And, when yeah. he um when he got announced for Smash and like um I mean I'm not even a Final Fantasy fan but like it's it's doing the entire trailer for Smash Bros and then it sort of goes like it's got the big villain thing that I forgot it's called Kaleem or something I don't know and it goes bum 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 as like Sephiroth what the fuck I remember like seeing people's reactions and like what who's this oh my god it's Sephiroth like dude I'm not even a Final Fantasy fan and I know what this song is like this yeah. is like the most famous theme and you guys are here just like what but yeah Sephiroth the Smash was pretty cool again not a fan he was a bit OP as well but <laughs> the main score to Super Smash Bros is just amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. I need you, to play it again. I can't, I can't forget the name of the composer. Yeah, did a, did a great job. He did, man. Like you know, just kind of. I don't know. Like when I first heard that, I was kind of at a point where I didn't really like games like that anymore. I was like, unless they're like super serious horror or like you know narrative yeah. driven games like The Last of Us or Red Dead Redemption Two, I wouldn't really be interested in them. That soundtrack to that game kind of made me a bit. I don't want to sound like a right cringe lord for Edgy, saying this, but it, it did kind of make me a bit tearful in a way because I was like, it just kind of reminded me of my like my youth where we were like you know innocent and you know kind of well, didn't have to worry about that, shit like, anymore this is enough tangent about the sound songs anyway, but the fact in smash bros you have got like mario sonic snake uh cloud sephiroth it is the absolute contrast and just insane amount of like a uh, crossover in the game is just absolutely insane and i've actually for the first time ever i've got all, i bought the fighters pass one and two and it's just you load up the menu screens like man if you showed me this like 15 years ago but that's just fake there was no way yeah but here we are Fantastic theme though, and also on the sort of soundtracks, one thing they did for that game, which is really, really dumb but really cool at the same time, you could create your own play- playlists. There's something like 700 tracks in the game, it's ridiculous from like all the different Smart. games involved, and they could create your own playlist. And then you could put the content in the sleep mode and like put headphones in and listen to it, like and create your own playlist with the songs. I would download it, but it's going to be several hundred, not 100 gig, but at least like 20, 30 gig for just mm. music alone or something ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, hit all the points we wanted to, I guess. Um, one thing I do when I knew we were doing this as a theme, I was like, have we really got an hour of conversation about game and soundtracks? And I would feel like there's still like 50 more themes I could probably mention and sound effects Absolutely. to go through. Um, definitely a much broader category than I initially thought it was going to be. And we could just list yeah. off a bunch of soundtracks quickly. Um, okay, so, I mean, uh, Witcher, Witcher 3, I was not to get soundtrack. Honourable mentions, as they call it. Yeah, honourable yeah. mentions. Uh, I mean, it's all weird. I haven't got like, if I'm a games in front of me, then, yeah, I mean, the Overwatch dingles are pretty important. Um, again, so I'm, I'm, 
now you are. Um... Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed now because I should have like wrote these things down before. I'm, I'm not in my room, so I can't see, you know, my my games and stuff. Uh, I mean, the Donkey Kong Country theme is fantastic yes. as well. It just how they made it on a Super Nintendo, just sending girls. I mean, Sonic One, Two, Three, and Knuckles. Apparently made by Michael Jackson for Sonic Three and Knuckles. I don't know legit legitimacy of that. Apparently he was involved in making the soundtrack, but when all the accusations came out, he's he got his name cut off. So who knows? Uh, and there's loads of Mega Drive stuff in general that could be added to. Yeah, I think for me, like a lot of well, some honourable mentions I'd easily pick out of that is kind of going back on what Brandon said. It's the just the entirety of the Leg- Legacy of Kane series. I just think that's such a dark and foreboding series and every single one of those games with the exception of maybe Defiance because it just recycled a lot of the old music kind of fits like Soul Reaver the soundtrack to that matches the tone of the game Blood Omen 2 arguably the weakest in the series I still love it but the soundtrack to that you know like really drums home the idea of like getting revenge and stuff like that you know I'll um, be to see what they do with the Soul Reaver soundtrack for the Soul Reaver remaster because that, that's still in production so it'd be interesting to see what they do with the sound there to be honest that entire franchise just needs I think if there's ever a case of a franchise that is just in just needs a reboot it's that um, like that there is one which i can't believe completely off my mind and i'm if, 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 eh, you ever played journey on the ps3 yeah yeah, yeah. that soundtrack is fantastic that really hits me uh max Payne 3 the song tears at the airport uh by health health also did the um arena war for gta online which is really good as a soundtrack yeah for a small part of an online game Persona. They're also touring with a perturbator at the moment, aren't they? Oh yeah. Um, in fact, they're in Birmingham the other day. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Bloodborne soundtrack is again very looming, very sort of like creepy and scary. But yeah, it's just you could just keep going through, and every time you're gonna remember something else. Um, they're like, damn, like there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. Uh, the Battlefield One theme, granted we heard it a billion times, Kyle, but again, that still always you know gets you. Well, the thing with Battlefield is, is like the soundtrack is kind of recycled every time. It's just done yeah, in a different yeah. style, isn't it? Matching the theme. The game, you know. Okay, I'm gonna stop because I keep going. Oh, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so uh, like, like, I think, like Ryan said, like it's yeah. a topic that can kind of go on forever, you know. But um, you know, to to make sure that we don't lose our entirety of our fan base, we'll cut it off there. Yeah, um, good call. So we've got a lot planned for the next month. Obviously, we were slightly off schedule last month, which was uh, completely out of our control. This is meant to be our <laughs> April episode. Yeah, yeah, we'll be doing a um another bonus features episode in a couple of weeks' time. That one we will be focusing on Escape from LA, which is what we said we'd follow up on. Following on after that, we'll have the next main episode for May, so season one, episode five. Other than that, um, we can be found in all the usual places. I think we're on everywhere now, and we've reached. We got onto Amazon Music, Overcast, and a few other places. Uh, we have a new Facebook page that you can follow us on. Um, Hope from Out of Heaven podcast, I think it is. Other than that, you can find Ryan on Watching Friends. You do that quite often, don't you? Yeah, it's an episode every week. It's on all the usual podcasty places. Uh, you can find mm-hmm. us on WatchingFriends.com, where there's a contact form, Watching Friend Pod on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so yeah, just check it out if you like Friends. If you don't, obviously you won't enjoy it. <laughs> That's it, oh, man. unless you want to hear me overshare many, many stories from my life. <laughs> well, I think that's I think that's a big part of it, though, isn't it? It's not just you talking about friends. It's kind of you attributing your own life kind of situations to it, you know? Yeah, there's some parallels. I think like... you said that there's a there's an unfortunate situation which happened in one of the episodes which, which, which relates to your own love life, which we won't disclose on podcast, but yeah. It's, uh... I mean, yeah, if you want to know that the mystery that Kyle has dropped, go check out Watching Friends podcast because it's all in there. But yeah, guys, I think that wraps it up for this one. Uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. And uh, yeah. Stay frosty. See you later. See you later, guys. Bye.